Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. I am your host, Kareem Sirojuddin. challenging Ramadan. Um, I'm sure many can relate. And, uh, you know, where everyone's still, I think, adapting to this whole corona climate, um, I speak to many people from all over the country and um, other countries as well. And everyone's just in the same boat, you know, from couples that were supposed to get married in June and July and fell through from, you know, people who were going to do Umrah and it fell through from people who have a relative in another country and they didn't get to come back yet or it took a while to come back. Um, and then there's just the day-to-day life. It's been a challenge and a huge kind of collective alarm bell of our fragility and need for each other and ultimately for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now we have all the um, protests going on, which is just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, not necessarily the protests, but I mean, it's simply, I think it's just an effect, you know, of many people just tired of it. The historical institutionalized racism in the United States amongst my African-American friends, you know, I remember, you know, some of them we would, when we talk about the experience of being um, black in America and certainly black and Muslim uh, in America, you know, we would always trace it back to it's because of slavery you know it's because of slavery it's because of slavery slavery is at the core of the collective relationship of the you know white europeans um, who built this country on the backs of slaves got free labor uh, got that head start financially and that's just one you know aspect right then there's of course all the social conditioning and propaganda to see um, black people and those who are in general dark, right? Anywhere. It's even applies in all of most of our countries where our parents came from, right? It's like the people from the north are superior to the south. Those who are lighter are better than the darker. So the perception uh, of seeing somebody who looks dark, you like automatically associate danger with or something of low caliber, low qualities. And that's all part of the social conditioning. So, I mean, it, it just runs really deep, you know, with our, our brothers and sisters from the African-American community and minorities at large, uh, especially those who appear, you know, darker than the typical um, typical uh, shades of, of the population of the United States, right? Because the majority are European descendants. And uh, this stuff, you know, what we're seeing on the news today with the protests and and some people even you know releasing more aggression releasing more aggression i don't support that but you know i can understand it you know i mean some people are just livid i mean i can't imagine being a father or a mother and watching a video of my son or daughter being killed unjustly by the very force of the government that's supposed to protect us the police you know i mean how are you supposed to sleep at night 
Um, it's a real thing, guys, that African-Americans have to coach their kids about where to go, what to do, how to act, how to be if a police officer bothers them. Because sadly, there's a chance that if your daughter or son goes outside to play some basketball or go for a jog or go grab milk from the grocery store and, you know, they could get hurt or killed or arrested unlawfully even, right? What if some cop, some narcissist cop or some insecure, you know, loser who's a police officer has a bad day, guess who he's going to take it out on? Whoever he can, especially if he lives in a state or an area where they're going to be on his side, you know? Um, and this is the case in, in some parts of the country, you know? It's like it doesn't, you know, we're in this state, I don't need to name them, but I'm sure you guys can think of them. Uh, and it's like, we can do what we want. You know, we run the show, basically. Our people, our white people run the show. Now, with that said, not all white people are bad or evil. I don't believe this either. You know, I don't think that the cure to racism is to be racist as well. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about racism itself. And I was, you know, thinking a lot about this this week. And, uh, you know, there is, of course, the psycho and social component to this, but also a spiritual component. I don't necessarily think you can legislate um, curing people's hearts of racism, right? You can't write a law for that. You can write a law for extra protection, um, more discipline, more uh, guard around uh, these horrific mishaps from happening ever again. Excessive force and brutality by police and violence and, and killing and so forth. Um, as well as, you know, making sure that there is justice in how funds are distributed by local governments uh, to areas of low socioeconomic uh, levels and struggle. Um, you know, places where there are more minorities, their schools need to be fixed up. They need better roads. They need, to, you know, they're all of these things. It's part of a system. Right. That's that's how you can use the structure of society to actually implement some of these things practically for sure. But ultimately, in my opinion, there is also a spiritual disease to this. There's a psycho spiritual and social uh, variables that we have to consider. So, for instance, if any society is constantly creating propaganda that a group of people are a certain way and it's a negative way, even if you are, you know, the purest of souls, if you see videos, commercials, messages that tell you anything over and over and over again, you actually start to unconsciously, it gets anchored in you, right? It gets anchored in your mind unconsciously. And you may not choose necessarily to feel stereotypes or racism and so forth in your perceptions, but they will happen simply because exposure and repetition of a stimuli will condition you. It, it doesn't matter what the stimuli is. This is the human science of it. That's how it works. So this is one thing, right, is what type of branding or mass messaging does any culture or community give about a particular person or ethnicity or race? That's, that's definitely a place to start. And how we can, let's say, cultivate a healthier or cleanse ourselves of this is, let's be honest, you know, when you are in certain, if you're just in a grocery store or let's say a 7-Eleven at midnight and you're the only one in there grabbing milk, 
and an African-American walks in, you know, notice what comes up for you. Notice what you think. And look, if you feel a little afraid or concerned or anxious, then just be honest with it, right? And say, okay, where is this coming from? Why am I assuming that just because this guy has a dark skin or this woman has a darker skin that automatically I'm somehow in danger or I feel uncomfortable, right? That's a possibility for some people. Um, or, you know, we, we don't feel like we can trust somebody who is darker than us or African-American um, as easily as somebody from our quote-unquote own kind, even though we're all the same kind, right? Humankind is the same kind. It's the same family. It just makes no sense to me that because somebody has more or less melatonin or different features, whether it's a pointy nose or a wider nose or smaller mouth or wider mouth, that we assume the interior reality of a person. It's just ridiculous. But this is how, you know, some people think. And all of us have some racism, most likely, right? Simply because any culture or society you grow up in already has the, the us and them doctrine embedded in their culture and their worldview, right? Whether you study history, you, you know, when you're in school, you, this is all social engineering. Wherever you live, there's social engineering happening. And we have to also ask ourselves, you know, how much of that is appropriate or accurate from what I've learned or what I've been taught. And we need to check ourselves. When you feel those things or you ha you're around something or a person that you notice some of these stereotypes may come up or latent or unconscious, you know, unfounded fears, then the f one thing we can all do with our own selves is say, okay, where's this coming from? Why do I feel this way? Do I have any evidence to feel this way? And what am I going to do about it? Now, that doesn't mean you got to become a person, a random person's best friend in a, in a you know, 7-Eleven. But at least when you're driving home, you ask yourself these questions and you try to say, look, you know, you've got to own that and ask Allah to relieve you of any misinformation or misinformed uh, perceptions that alter the fact that this person is still your brother or sister in humanity, right? And racism, if we really look at it, it's the idea of superiority based on some idea or construct. Like, I'm better because I appear different or better, right? Um, I'm white, you're black, or I'm black and you're yellow or red or whatever, this is an, a delusion. Uh, Shaitan did this, as we know in the Quran, with the Sayyidina Adam salam. I'm better. And he obviously missed the point. And he was focusing on the properties of what, what he was made of versus what someone else is made of. Right? And, and Iblis is a jinn. And Adam is, from, is made of earth and water and clay. And so there, it's like he, there was at least a some level of difference in properties and makeup, right? It's like, I'm, a, I'm from the species of jinn, you're from the species of human, and I think I'm better. But human to human, you're made of exactly the same building blocks. Exactly. With the minor tweaks, right? Of like melatonin or you know, this, you're prone to this versus that. But I mean, it's the same building blocks. You're made of earth and water. And we all know we're from the same human family. Whether you believe in, in a religion or not, 
even science tells us all our genetics traces back to a, se a first set of parents, right? And science tells us that it all started in Africa. So our parents were black. Our parents were dark. Allah tells us in the Quran that he looks at the hearts, not your skin tone or your wealth or what college you went to or how many kids you have or what everyone thinks about you in the community. That's not what is going to get you anywhere where it counts in the Akhirah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Rum, chapter 30, verse 22, so if anything, it's a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that there are yellow and red and green and white and beige and brown and you name it, right? Allah tells us this. This is a sign actually that I exist, that there's all these different colors. Just like there's many colors of flowers and many colors of people and different languages and tongues, different ways to express consciousness. These are all ayat min Allah. And what's fascinating is he says, we created the heavens and the earth and language and your skin tones or your colors. The language is heavenly. The language is associated with a heavenly gift. And this colors is from the earth, which is where we're from and what we're made of. And we know perhaps the story of when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to create Adam. He had Jibreel, the archangel Gabriel, grab soil and dirt and mud from all the different parts of the earth. All the different colors and textures. So there was very soft, very rugged and rocky and all the variety of colors. And Adam possessed all of them. This is why we get the diversity of colors and textures and temperaments of people and they spread out. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tells us in the Quran that we created you into nations and tribes so that you may come to know one another. It's about connection, people. It's about connection. And so racism starts with this deluded idea that I am somehow superior because of my appearance or because of my physical properties. But yet, we're the same physical properties. And what does appearance have to do with it? You know, it's like saying a sunflower is superior to a rose. It's like, not necessarily. Some people like sunflowers more than roses. It's a preference. You know, it's not a objective law in any way, shape, or form. Right? So this is a stupid idea. So superior, this delusion of superiority, I think, is one of the roots of racism. The other root of racism is, of course, fear. I'm afraid of what doesn't look like me, act like me, talk like me, sound like me, right? And this extends to not just race, but ethnicities as well. We have a phobia towards that which we don't understand. And subhanAllah, you know, at least in the United States, I mean, we've been, the white and black people have been living together for a long time. And mashallah, some of them have accomplished, you know, bridging the gaps and honoring heritage and history and everybody involved. But there's still, sadly, uh, many people, especially those in power and law enforcement, that they're still not seeing it that way. As far as the everyday person, make sure that you honor all people when you're out in public and you say you address somebody or ask somebody something or they ask you. I always try to respond with sir and ma'am 
and especially African Americans, because and this is again before all this protest and stuff, but it's just because I know from my friends that there is a a sensitivity, let's say. And so I make sure that when I address an African American male, I say, thank you, sir, or excuse me, sir, do you have the time? You know, because they've they've already experienced so much devaluing generation to generation to generation. Sadly. So that's a little thing what we can do. Number two, pay attention to what comes up for you when you're around a situation that provokes stereotypes in you. And sit with it and talk to yourself about it. And try to correct or modify any unlawful beliefs that don't have evidence and that you may realize, wow, this really does come from the social engineering and conditioning and propaganda I've probably been exposed to all my life wherever I live. And every time you address some response that comes up for you that you're like, well, this is inappropriate or this is, seems, you know, out of it, connect with the person, you know, connect with the person. If you work at a store and some African-American walks in and you start to feel a little uncomfortable, well, talk to them. Good, good evening, sir. How are you? And 90% of the time, they're going to say, you know, hey, how's it going? Uh, I just came to grab some, some gum, right? Stay cool, stay warm, whatever. But if we don't say anything and we just ring a person up, or we're, we're somewhere in a store, let's say you're purchasing something and an African-American walks in and, you know, instead of being quiet, say, hey, how's it going? How are you doing today, sir? I'm all right. As soon as you make a connection, you stop the loop of possible stereotypical perceptions and biases in your head. But if you say nothing, you're just allowing the loop to play and you may even feed it more or you may even interpret it interpret something that that african-american says or does as other than what it really means because you've been indoctrinated and for the muslim community specifically we love to talk about how the prophet said in his last sermon you know an arab is not superior to a non-arab a white is not superior to a black and a black is not superior to white and yes islam has the power to heal racism because it's a spiritual disease as well but we've got to walk our own talk, guys, really. I mean, I see and witness racism, ethnocentrism a lot in our community. True stories. There's, of course, the classic of marriage problems. You know, somebody wants to marry someone who's African-American. It's not always about racism. Simply, Sometimes it's simply about practical preference. You know, the parents might see things that the young person who wants to get married doesn't see. So it's not like every single time you want to marry someone who's African-American, it's always a good idea. However, we have this automatic response of if they're African-American, we're not even going to bother. We're not even going to give him a chance. We're not even going to take the time to honor this human being that Allah chose to create and that my daughter or son happened to be very interested in for marriage. And we're just like, no, because it's going to mess with our whatever, right? Reputation. What will people think? What will your grandmother back in such and such a country think? And I know an example, for instance, where it wasn't even an African-American. It was a Caucasian person who converted to Islam and the Muslim, the born and raised Muslim from an Arab background, I won't name which one, but they're pretty, you know, rigid when it comes to their ethnic identity 
as well. So even with a Caucasian person, you can find this type of attitude or tone. Like, no, you know. And uh, some families, they get this pressure and guilt and order from the top down, right? Elders are like, well, if this is going to happen, we're not coming and you're not allowed to come. You know, like I've heard this before, like a grandparent told the parents of the person who wants to marry this convert that if you go to the wedding, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to disown you. So then the kid's parents can't even go because, because of their parents back home, right? The grandparents of the, of the potential groom and bride here. But it happens automatically with African-Americans, you know, just we won't even give them the time of day. Uh, This is, of course, disgusting. And the adhan that we hear everywhere in the Muslim world five times a day, no Muslim who knows anything about their deen can't associate Bilal radiallahu anhu with the adhan. You know, and there's maybe there's a hikmah to this, that the mu'adhan of the Prophet ﷺ was of African descent. One of the Prophet's wives was of African descent. When the Muslims were going to be wiped out, where did they go to survive? And who were the people that embraced them and took care of them and were just and honored them? The Africans of Ethiopia. But let's be realistic. Let's at least start with our own selves and families to... Be open to marrying somebody who is darker from your same dang culture. Can you at least do that? Start with that. If you're from north, you can, you're open to marrying somebody who's from the south who's darker. You know, start with that. I heard a true story once. This person who was of darker tone, their mother, own mother, used to ask them to make dua for them so that their next sibling will be whiter or fairer. And they would ask this person, this child, when they were a child, to make du'a with the mother that this other child will be white, whiter. I mean, stuff like this, you don't think it's psychologically going to damage people? You know, it's like, let us call upon God and use our Islamic lingo to ask for something that is actually kind of racist. <laughs> this is uh, a true story. Start with being open to marrying darker tones from your own ethnicity or culture. Just work your way. You know, you got to start with something, be realistic, let's try to do that, all right? Or be open to marrying people from other countries, not just your country. Be open to that. Again, it's about the person. And there's nothing wrong with preferring somebody from your country or culture. Again, I'm not against that. But don't be, you know, absolutely against anything that doesn't fit into your little bubble. Those of you who want to push, you know, your boundaries, let's say you are the person who wants to get married to someone outside of what's expected and you got to deal with this. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, that if you submit to the, you know, an unfounded or irrational position that you're not allowed to marry somebody because of their skin tone alone, right? We're talking about cases where it's just about their appearance or their skin tone. You have a decision to make. You either... Submit to the pressure and guilt of the parents or the elders in your family and then have resentment and go do something that is actually against the divine principles of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or you can suffer a different way. I mean, you're going to suffer that way anyways. Or you can suffer a different way, which is no, I'm not going to enable my parents or my family to keep replicating these false constructs about people and ethnicities and uh, race. I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. 
If this means you're never going to talk to me again, if this means you're not going to meet your grandchildren, this means you're not going to come to my wedding, that's on you. Really. Because most parents, mashallah, they still have iman. And they still have some reasoning skills. And at some point, it'll hit them after two to three years. Like, how come we haven't talked to our son or our daughter? How come we haven't met our grandchild? Oh yeah, because they married someone who is dark. It just sounds stupid when you say it out loud. And I'm sure, and I've seen it. It doesn't happen often, unfortunately. But I've seen some parents come around, you know. But it's quite rare at this point, at this rate. Usually it's, we disown you, we don't talk to you, and they like, you know, double down with their stubbornness and arrogance. Or the, the young uh, submits to the pressure. They collapse under the pressure. And the parents then are enabled, as well as, uh, in a sense, indirectly validated for their racism or ethnocentrism. Another one that's common is, you know, whitening creams are very common in our people. You know, giving your daughter or daughter-in-law or some, you know, here's some whitening cream. You need to brighten up, basically. You know, you're too dark. Or your hair's too curly. We don't like curly hair. Why don't you straighten your hair? You know, you should try to straighten your hair. You'll look better. You know, what's wrong with that? We have to recognize that everyone is beautiful to someone. Doesn't have to be beautiful to you, but it's beautiful to someone. And if your son or daughter finds this person beautiful and you don't, that's okay because you're not the one who's going to wake up every single day next to this person and deal with their morning breath and their bad days and their low moods as well as their success and their wonderful moments. That's not going to be you anyways. You're just going to take a bunch of pictures at a wedding and probably, you know, see them from time to time. So deal with it. And subhanAllah, it was a Muslim store that called the police on Mr. George Floyd. Uh, and then, you know, what happened, happened. But it's it's just really interesting that this, this basically tipping point event, which we're all going to talk about for a while. It's like, this is the tipping point, and it's associated with a Muslim store. And I believe they're also Arabs, too. So, uh, subhanAllah, it's just an interesting connection to think about for everybody. Work on your, your siblings, talk to your parents. If you're a parent, talk to your kids. You've got to walk your own talk first. Don't just join some, don't bandwagon on some cause because, you know, it's your opportunity to get a lot of likes and follows on social media. It's like, you know, be sincere. When you're not sincere, it's, it's even sadder, you know, when you're just jumping along here. So, and again, I don't know people's intentions. I'm just saying, you know, check yourself as well. Even if you think you're doing something righteous and you're now involved in this and that, but it's like you have the same, you also come from a family that, you know, you'll, you would never struggle with your parents, let's say, to marry an African-American or a darker person who comes from the south of the country your parents come from. You know, it's like work on your home. Work on your home. Everybody has to start somewhere. And if everybody focuses on themselves and takes that seriously, then we will see families and societies change over time. But my prayers are out there with everybody who's affected by this and who has been affected by this and who will be affected by this. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and heal us and help us remember the signs that we're all one family, that the beauty is in the colors and the diversity, that nothing makes you superior 
or inferior other than the state of your consciousness and your heart and your soul and your morality. We're all, we all ha we're all made of the same bones and skin and blood. I mean, it's just fascinating how uh, after all the history we've been through and we've learned and we know, we still got stuff like this going on in 2020 in the United States. You know, it's, uh, I've had a heavy heart all week. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and thank you for tuning in. Uh, support the podcast at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem. And uh, feel free to reach out on the website if you have any ideas or suggestions. 